You're listening to Simulcast, a podcast about healthcare simulation. Greetings, Simulcast listeners. I'm Victoria Brazel. Uh, welcome to one of the recordings we did at the recent Australasian Simulation Congress, which was held here on the Gold Coast in September. In this episode, I get to interview Sarah Janssens about something that's pretty interesting uh, to us here at Simulcast, and that is about teams, teamwork, and leadership, and in particular, the way that simulation can examine and shape their performance. So happy listening to our live recorded episode of Simulcast. So welcome to Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel, and it's a great pleasure to have you here today in the studio audience for a live recording of the show. Uh, we're going to start off our discussion today with a guest, Sarah Jansen, who will introduce herself shortly. And we're going to be talking about leadership, and in particular, leadership in maternity teams. But uh, Sarah, tell us a little bit about you. Well, thanks for the invitation, Vic. Um, I'm an obstetrician and gynaecologist working at the Mater Hospital in Brisbane. And I'm also the clinical simulation director for MARTA, which sounds a lot more fancy than it is. I oversee our simulation fellowship program and generally try to promote simulation within all of MARTA, essentially. Yeah. All right. So let's get right into it because we're going to focus on two papers that you've contributed as part of your PhD studies, and that might be another whole podcast. Uh, but they're about the concept of leadership in teams. So how did you get interested in this general topic? Um, probably very similar to how many people get into researching human behaviour in um, teams is that you come on board as an educator and perhaps you're running your sims and debriefing and you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'm not getting people to where I want them to be and I couldn't quite work out why. And I think it was the more I analysed what was going on, I realised that I didn't really have a perfectly crystal clear idea of what I expected of leaders within maternity teams. And then the more I looked into it, the kind of recommendations were very nebulous, vague, one person, hands off, that kind of thing, and directive. And I guess that's what piqued my interest in thinking about leadership in our teams because, you know, as you know, it's so critical for the Mm. team performance overall. Mm. And I got the sense, Sarah, that some of this was motivated by thinking that there might be some differences between contexts and Mm. you and I had some discussions about say an emergency medicine trauma team probably is a little bit different to an obstetric Mm. team and yet some of the same ideas about what is good leadership were being applied. Yeah so I guess when I went on this journey you were very generous and I came down and had a chat to you had a look at trauma teams and I thought about what happens in ED and trauma teams with this I, I guess a nurse leader role and a and a medical leader role and thought, you know, is this something that could be applied in a maternity setting? And um, I guess that's really where my interest in shared leadership started, to think about um, when should shared leadership be used, what exactly is it, and does it improve team performance or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so like a really good researcher, you went and did a systematic review, and uh, just for people who are interested, this was in the Journal of Patient Safety, uh, and you actually looked through, and the description here is shared leadership in healthcare action teams. I'm not sure what a healthcare inaction team is, but anyway, a healthcare <laughs> action team. I think we've been um, in many of them, haven't we, at well, times? That's true, actually, <laughs> come to think of it. Uh, so what did you find? Well, um, I guess surprisingly little within the actual healthcare literature. So there's a huge amount of stuff about shared or distributed leadership in the non-healthcare um, literature, which was great to draw upon, uh, which nearly all associates distributing leadership or sharing leadership with improved team performance. But 
very few descriptions of it within um, our healthcare action teams. Um, but there were some, and we mapped that out to teams that, like trauma teams, have a planned shared leadership model where the organisational policy is that you have this person, they lead this part of all these tasks and the medical leader might lead the medical tasks or sometimes swapped around with the nurse-led code. But there are other forms of sharing leadership as well, um, the kind of dynamic delegation where you Vic might be the consultant but you'll have a trainee there who you'll let lead a, um, a trauma scenario um, but kind of just be there as their backup and yet step in when they're underperforming and we call that sort of sharing to mentor so you're kind of building their skills up while you're still kind of overall in charge but you're delegating some of those leadership activities to them and then there's a spontaneous shared leadership where people are contributing leadership functions uh, leading other people within the team even though they may not be the actual you know, designated leader. So they're the kind of three main groups that I found mm-hmm. of leadership sharing within our teams. Mm-hmm. I'd probably just hasten to add that's probably vastly underreported, I think, mm-hmm. um, and particularly I think the contributions that nurses and midwives make to leadership probably vastly underreported because maybe we just don't recognise it or name it as such. Mm. And I guess one of the things, and this is going to come up when we get to your sort of empiric mm. work, which is, as you described that, it's about leadership as an organiser of activities and behaviours. And I would agree with you that I think that underestimates leadership as a function of many people in the team rather than merely the person who is managing the overt behaviours in the event. Yeah, so I guess you can look at leadership in a variety of different ways and just because you've got a vertical leadership structure and that person who is the, I guess, hierarchical authority within that situation, it doesn't mean that you can't have shared or lateral leadership as well. And I guess when you look at leadership more as a function or functional leadership kind of view, then you can define leadership as anything that is a a process of influence between team members that's driving your team towards that goal. Um, So I guess they're not mutually exclusive concepts, Mm. Um, but it does just then broaden your view of looking at leadership from beyond that one singular person who's in charge. And that's where lots of the, le- the scholarship has been is like, well, how should that person act and what should that person do and what should that person say and who should that person be? Whereas that's all focused on that one person. And mm-hmm. I think to get the most out of your team, you need to really think about all the sources of leadership within mm-hmm. the team and how we improve those or make that, I guess, the most efficient way of leading and effective. Mm. And I guess there's two points that are relevant here. So one is the relationship potentially with performance of the team, but the other, as you say, for us as people involved in simulation is also about how we ask people to reflect on that uh, because if we're asking them to behave a certain way, then we have to be pretty sure that that is the way that's effective. Yeah, and hence my dilemma because, you know, it's it's hard and we don't I don't know what the best structure for leadership in maternity teams is um, and you know unfortunately there's not been a lot of research in the maternity space on that and um, yeah and so I guess that's why we need more research in this area really to mm. see what is the most effective well mm. how good you're segueing into your own research <laughs> uh, that's always a good plan so here we have your you know a, a really 
Very involved. I can only imagine so much work. Published in BMJ still, still um, looking at maternity teams doing postpartum hemorrhage scenarios where you actually set out to say, we're going to do these scenarios, we're going to observe them, and now we're actually going to use a number of tools to measure the behaviours that we see, both leadership and teamwork behaviours, and measure performance as indicated by the number of interventions like a uh, number of things like time to interventions, time to operating theatre, time to other stuff. So tell us a little bit about the process of this and then, of course, what you found. Okay. Um, so I guess I'd have to acknowledge all my um, support team uh, within uh, that study and I have a great supervisory team. Thank you, Stu Marshall, Robert Simon, Michael Beckman and Steph Barwick also helped me with a lot of the legwork in this. But essentially, in observing um, the scenarios on video, we... And I wouldn't necessarily put my hand up to do this again, but we transcribed all of the utterances that people said and coded who they came from and then developed a a coding framework from leadership taxonomies and assessment tools to kind of say, well, when someone said that, was that a leadership thing that they said? And so we, through that, we could look at how distributed the leadership was within the team. Um, And so we looked at high-sharing teams, teams that shared... Uh, leadership widely within their team versus those that had a very narrow distribution of leadership. And we looked then um, at that relationship between um, the sharedness, if you would like to call it that, and the teamwork um, scores, I suppose. And we used um, Jenny Weller's tool from Auckland, the Auckland Team Behaviours Tool, and a clinical teamwork scale as well. Um, and, in fact, we found no difference um, at all between uh, high-sharing and low-sharing teams within their teamwork scores. And we found the other, I guess, the other outcome measure that we looked at was around how fast did the team get to doing that thing that they really needed to do, which in this scenario was like getting into theatre, um, and how complete they were in their management. So did they get through that checklist of things that we would expect someone to do in a postpartum hemorrhage, put cannulas in, run fluids, give the right drugs, all that sort of stuff. And that from that perspective, in fact, there was an inverse relationship. So the more shared the leadership, uh, the slower the team was to get to that critical uh, event. Um, and the checklist was, um, there was a trend towards, but it wasn't significant, mm-hmm. um, the lesser distribution of leadership. So... Um, interesting uh, finding and I guess there's a couple of things that we can hypothesise about why that might be um, but we didn't formally analyse that so I think we know that when people spontaneously kind of do leadership stuff sometimes that's really helpful because the leader is struggling and they actually do contribute to positive team performance but sometimes um, when people think they're helping Actually, they're hindering because they're duplicating. And I think we've all been in that situation where you've been in a scenario and you're leading a team and then someone comes in and you think you're acing it and they're like, have you got two cannulas in? Have you got any fluids? Uh, what's happening with this? And they're, they're trying to go through everything again. And, in fact, that just slows things down sometimes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's a real art, I think, of knowing when to contribute leadership or not. Mm. And it's hard because you don't want to tell people don't speak up, don't help out, but how do you find that balance? 
Yes, and I think this is probably one of the problems with the scale itself, isn't it? Because you see the privileging of these overt behaviours, these explicit communications mm. as scoring higher. Yes. And yet if you had a perfectly quiet team that said almost nothing yes. and just were really well synchronised, they'd actually score quite low on the teamwork mm. and leadership, yes. and yet I bet you they'd do very well. Yeah. And so I'm wondering even about these scales. You must have had some thoughts about that. Yeah, well, it's fascinating, in fact, because the scales, none of them are really designed for assessing leadership across a team because all of the, I guess, the items around the team leader did X, the team leader said Y. And so we are kind of applying a tool for something that perhaps was not best fit as all we had, but certainly there are some limitations there. Although it is interesting, I did see um, an overall teamwork assessment tool that had some leadership items that actually recognise that leadership often changes during uh, a scenario or a case um, or can be shared. So that's mm-hmm. promising to think that people are, I guess, opening their view to leadership in that way. Hmm. Mm. Uh, I also want to ask you a little bit of a process question because mm-hmm. we've kind of glossed over that intensive work that you and Steph <laughs> did. And when I was reading through the study, you know, SJ and SB did all the coding of the uh, transcribed interviews. Uh, I mean, you must... A, it's exhausting, but B, you must get an incredibly nuanced idea that must be hard to reflect, actually, when you're writing this up. Yeah, I I must say I watched those videos so many times and um, it it totally does give you this deeper understanding and then, of course, when this happens to you, then you go off on tangents. Wouldn't it be great to do a study on watching your videos 10 times afterwards and the stuff you learn from that? And you're like, no, 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 just stay focused. Um, but like I'm happening now. Um, so I think the it was interesting. It's like the best performing team um, clinically was the team that had one doctor do 75% of the leadership, a midwife do 25%, and no one else in the team... Um, did any leadership. There was just this beautiful synchronicity between an experienced team, midwifery team leader and a, a registrar who was not particularly senior, but they just worked together in harmony. And I don't know how you, you know, could use that as an exemplar, but that was beautiful. And then you saw the, the other end of just everyone wanting their two bits of everyone trying to run the show and how destructive that was. Um, so you're right, it's hard to do that. Maybe that's a bit of qualitative research that can happen one time, but that's not my strength at all. So um, I think what it makes me think is that when you're in that debrief room, be very careful how you encourage people to behave because there may well be many paths to success. Oh, 100%, mm. yeah. All right, so uh, and I'm going to ask people to start thinking about their questions now because I'm going to ask Sarah one more and then I'm going to see if you've got any for her. Uh, so this must have had a bit of an impact on your clinical practice, which I'm interested in, and then the part B of this is also where to next for the research. But tell me first about your clinical practice. Uh, good question. Um, I think I, I definitely am now a bit more... I hope I'm a lot more explicit when I'm wanting to delegate leadership tasks to to others. I think from some interviews that I've done with um, staff, which I haven't analysed formally yet, but I think that the idea of shared leadership is something that exists currently, but we just don't name it as so or recognise it as such. 
and that's a risk, obviously. So I'm a lot more explicit about if I'm in an emergency situation and I'm the clinical leader, I will say, I'm going to lead this. I want you to make all the phone calls and to make sure that the patient, the family are kept in the loop. So trying just to be a lot more explicit if I'm mm-hmm. offloading leadership stuff so it's clear for myself, my um midwifery team leader and um, the staff in the room who's doing what. Mm. Um, So that, I think, um, is one thing that I've changed in my practice. Mm. Mm. All right. And then uh, the obvious thing, where to now? Well, yeah, so um, we've just started our study looking at a singular versus a dual leadership model. So um, comparing our traditional teaching, which is what is supported um, in the, I guess, the obstetric emergency training manuals is one leader. doesn't matter who they are or how senior they are or what their profession is, that they should lead the team in a singular way to a more trauma team type model where we have a clinical leader and a and I've not settled on the name. I'd love to hear some results, some suggestions. We've called them a logistics leader. Okay. Someone that um, is managing the communication and the resources um, and and the role allocation as well. So the who's doing what, so managing the human resources so that the, the clinical leader can just focus on the clinical stuff. So and very pleased to say that um, our dear colleague um, Belinda Lowe at Gold Coast has just come on as a secondary site for us, which is really exciting to be able to run my first multi-centre or dual-centre study. Us mm. too, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, event manager is another word I've heard for that. Some people yes. even, I think in some ECMO simulations, call that the safety officer, even though it seems like the role is broader. So I yeah. think you're right. I don't know exactly the right terminology. Yeah. I liked logistics and safety officer, but then yeah. that's too wordy. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, do that. 2IC, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but then there's hierarchy there, so I don't know. Yeah. Mm. All right, well, simulcast live studio audience, what questions have you got? And uh, I think we've got some roving mics down here. Thank you, Ben and Jesse. Have you got some thoughts on leadership? Have you got some thoughts on Sarah's research? Have you got some uh, extra ideas about what you'd like to do now on this topic? You're listening to Simulcast. So great question from the audience about... Uh, leadership obviously is complemented by followership and your thoughts on that well it's funny you should say that because in fact in defining what a leadership leader should do and thinking about the role allocation part of that I really actually had to go on a whole different and parallel journey around well what are the roles in an in a maternity emergency team um, because they'd never really been defined. We did a lot of task allocation, but we never really did role allocation. And if you said to a midwife, you're on circulation, it's not like an emergency where they would know all the tasks that are associated with that. If you gave a resident circulation, they'd just put two cannulas in. And if you gave a midwife the role of circulation, they'd just do the OBS. And so actually going through and defining what all of those roles are was part of that. Um, and so we're still... Working our way through those relationships, I think, Steve, with respect to um, when people get into their roles, well, what is the right process for feeding back to the leader? Um, and, you know, we've had some really interesting experiences. It's very new for maternity where we've, um, you know, trying to tease out, yes, if you're in the role of drugs, for example, what are the critical things that you can do before your leader asks you to do that? And what things should you wait for 
instruction or direction for. And I, I think it's very new for us all and we're still finding our way. So hints and tips from those of you who are more experienced in this sort of team format, I would love love to share ideas. Does that answer your question a little bit, Steve? Yeah, I think it's a really, really good question. We've mm. started adding to our uh, role uh, or your task list for team members, prompting the team leader to do some recaps. And the work that I've done with Simone and Cathlab, that became very obvious that everybody mm. should take responsibility for the leadership instead of just saying, oh, it's a good leader or a bad leader today, actually putting the responsibility on everybody to say, could we do a recap, please? Can we just clarify who's in charge? Yeah. And that actually, I think, is very helpful in a distributed uh, role. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to Simulcast. Yeah, so just for those listening on the podcast, that's a great question about the measurement tools here, and maybe not all of them can do everything, but are there other ones that we could think about measuring our leadership and teamwork performance? Um, thanks for putting me on the spot there, Steph. Um, so, uh, yes, there are. There are the ways of doing it, um, and the shared leadership literature would provide a few examples. And one of those, for example, is social network analysis, and I'm not at all an expert on this, but you can actually ask everyone afterwards, you know, how much did this person influence your behaviour in that team? How much did this person? And then you can look at a whole heap of measures around centrality and density. And that's a whole other field of um, of research that um, probably needs a real social science expert to, to be involved with. So um, I think... However, when you're using those tools, you're kind of reflecting back. It's not as potentially objective as watching a video and, and quantifying it. And I know that I'm a, being a health person, I always want to quantify things and I know that that's our weakness. Um, but there's also just the way what we did with utterance coding, you, as Vic alluded to before, you just miss out on all of the, the other leadership that goes on, that's the touch or the nod or the wink or the just moving in or whatever. And so I, I don't know how you capture that. And maybe you can only capture that retrospectively by asking people about influence, uh, using those sorts of, um, uh, you know, survey type tools that they use in the social sciences. Someone will probably tell us that uh, black box recording and artificial intelligence will have the answer to this soon. And maybe it will. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to hand over shortly to Jesse and Jack to take over for the second part of the Simulcast Presents, but I would uh, like you to please thank Sarah Janssens for being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Vic. You're listening to Simulcast. <laughs>